We are here. We are talking. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 20Q, 20 Questions with Interesting People, where we learn the origin stories of everyday superheroes in the LGBT community and friends. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and our guest this time is rock on tour, bon vivant, and man about town, Cedric Amoyo. Hi, Cedric. Tim, how are you? Fine. Thank you very much. We're going to start right away and get into the first question. A bit about your background. Where are you originally from and what was it like? Uh, a bit of a, I'm a bit of a mutt, actually. Uh, born in Paris, France. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's where you get the name Cedric. Cedric. <laughs> and, and then uh, for, um, for weather reasons, actually, my parents decided to move us all the way to Australia. Australia? Uh, Australia, yeah. So uh, in Cairns, the very north of Australia. Uh, actually, when I was very young. I think I was about one year old. Um and yeah, from there, I've uh, spent most of my life in Australia, and now I've been 10 years in Sweden, believe it or not. How'd you get there? How'd you decide to move there? <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask, Tim. There's, there's one reason, most, mostly one reason that, that guys would go to Sweden, and it's it's because they're following their heart. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. <laughs> I wouldn't mind the weather. I think I, li- I like the cool weather. I think it's beautiful, you know, from what I've seen. So yeah. I think it's going to be a great place to, to visit anyway. <laughs> well, we'll touch on that in one of your later questions, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. So um, moving on to the uh, next question, considering you've been around so, so much, um, which life experience would you say had the greatest impact on you? Uh, definitely moving back to Europe. Really? Yeah, yeah. Reversing the 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 uh, I guess the decision my parents made um, oh so long ago. So yeah, you know my roots are Europe. I was originally European blood. Spent all of my life pretty much in Australia, and uh, so yeah, it was a big decision. Um, uh, you know, it's it's almost the reverse of what I'm used to in every regard. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I mean weather, culture. Uh, you name it. This this place is is the antithesis of of Australia. Uh, so yeah, so that was that was not a small decision to make. And obviously, you know, family, friends, everyone I know, everything I know, it's it's all back in Australia. So that yeah, that that that's definitely had the greatest impact on me. It's uh, a life changer. <laughs> wow. And so that's um, uh, that's got to be a lot of adjustment. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it is. Do you find yourself still adjusting, or have you acclimated? Uh, I have definitely acclimated on in some regards. Uh, weather-wise, it's always tough. I mean, the winter here is six months of just dark and cold, so it's it's you know it's it's a million miles from what we get in Australia, which is pretty much a, a, an eternal summer. <laughs> Uh, but but truth be told, actually, I think the uh, the the Swedish mentality and uh, and and yeah, the, the Swedish uh, people uh, have a very different sort of culture and outlook on life than than Australians and and generally what I'm used to. So that was probably the the, the toughest thing to get used to, and I'm still getting used to that. Actually, 
I don't know if I'll ever get used to that. I probably won't. <laughs> really? Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah so it's an eternal adjustment. And, uh, yeah, wow. So, um, okay, I'm moving on to the next question. Even though that's that's uh, pretty imp impressive to, uh, to see, it's got to be uh, something that's really just, uh, I just uh, the shock. I mean, I, I guess just just uh, I'm just having to change everything that you you did the way you went about everything and the way you interact with people and you know even getting up in the morning because it's dark and it's cold compared to what you did yeah, it's still it's, it's, that's something yeah it's so, a <laughs> so sorry it's a kicker <laughs> it's a kicker okay so um following that um what would you say to anyone interested in an aspect of your experience meaning if someone wanted to explore an idea or a perspective opportunity based on what can you you could tell them what would be the main thing to encourage or discourage them? Um, whether it's something, you know, in my experience or just something they experience, I, I think my answer would be the same, to be honest, Tim. And, and that is uh, I've always had a very firm belief that uh, anyone, everyone should always follow their heart in whatever they do. Um, so, you know, if you ask me anything about what I would encourage and discourage, it is always follow your heart. Never let anyone deter you from doing so. It's your life. It should be your dreams. And I've done the best I can, even though it's been super scary at times, like yeah. leaving everything and everyone and coming halfway around the world, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, live. And you can only do that, you know, live your life. You can only do that if you follow your heart and ignore everyone else's, to be honest. So that would be my big, my big piece of advice. What would you say is your most noteworthy achievement? Um, having remained unemployed my pretty much my entire life. When I say unemployed, of course, I mean the traditional employed, working for the man kind of model. Um, that's, that's been testing at times. It's had its many highs. It's had a few lows, of course. Um, but through it all, I've managed to do it. Well, you know, as old blue, I said, I've managed to go and do it my way. Wow. Um, and as I said, that, that, that's gotten hairy and scary at times, but I always just had to do it my way. Um, and still am, and always will. <laughs> uh, that's that's so, quite arrogant. Yeah, and I think that's I, I think I think I feel proudest about that because I, I watch a lot of uh, people I know and respect, and it's it's not difficult to see that their you know their vocation, their job is is kind of slowly killing them, but they just don't they just don't go out and do their own thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I had a job not that long ago, and when I left, I, I could not understand how I was able to hold on to so much stress for so long. Mm. It was like it was like popping open a pinata and expecting to put it back together again. You know, well, no, yeah. that's, 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 and it's it was the worst thing. And I didn't realize how much stress I had been carrying around since day one. And when it was gone, uh, I just felt there's no possible way I could ever do this again. Mm. I, I, I don't want to do it. I don't have any feel for it. I, I don't. I don't want to pick it up and, and go go right back to do that at all in any sense. So I, I completely understand what you're saying. Actually, um, on that note, Tim, a, a very good Swedish friend of mine, a girl uh, or lady, she 
she uh, has always worked for the man. She's always been employed, you know, never done her own thing. She's always dreamed about it. Uh, her, her husband and their two kids were in a head-on collision about three months ago or four months ago yeah, here in Sweden. Uh, and, you know, they were incredibly lucky. The whole family walked away, you know, alive. Pretty much the first thing she did uh, was to quit her job and finally start her own thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's, that's, I don't want to, you know, I never wanted to wake up dead one day and realize I, I always had that dream and never did it. So, but for, for many people, it takes a life, you know, a life shattering uh, thing to happen before they might wake up to themselves and do it before they're dead. But most, unfortunately, you know, they're on their deathbed and realize they, they should have. Yeah, it's, and you know, the thing is a lot of people wind up and they get, um, they keep on doing the same thing and they get a little reward and they get a few creature comforts and then they get comfortable with it and they get used to things and they justify, they rationalize exactly uh, what, they're, what they're allowing themselves to become. And um, uh, there's a, uh, I, I don't know, because you're in Sweden, <laughs> but um, I said Stockholm is in Denmark, right? Uh, no, no, Stockholm is Sweden. Sweden, okay. This, yep, yep. I always make fun of the uh, the Stockholm syndrome where people come uh, work for companies and they identify with the with the company instead of thinking for themselves, you know. And, and they, they become so over uh, connected to it. I always say you have Stockholm syndrome, and then once you stop, you, you come to your senses and you realize what was I doing? Yeah, you know? exactly. yeah, yeah. I mean, my I've seen it even in my siblings. You know, they've, they've changed jobs many times. And when they're part of a company, they, they you know, I guess they they that company's Kool-Aid. And they live it and breathe it and swear it. And then they move to another company and suddenly they have a new passion. Yeah. And, they, you know, so, yeah, it's, it is, it can be very blinding. And, and, you know, the world we live in is geared towards pushing and keeping people there you know, yeah. employment. Uh, so there's the, the, I call them the 95 percenters. You know, there's only 5% out there who kind of actually go out and make a wage instead of take a wage. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, some people, you know, by circumstance, it's, it's, and, and they make the best of it. And uh, I, I completely understand where they're coming from. And uh, other people, uh, just for lack of uh, vision, don't want to even try, you know. And, and accomplishing things really makes you – give you such a greater sense of satisfaction, no matter what it is, even if they're small, because everything is small. I just a bunch of things that build up. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I completely understand that. Mm -hmm. So um, so following that up, um, uh, the biggest uh, personal challenge you have faced, a personal injury, a seemingly overwhelming task, a personal or professional goal, a difficult situation you had to overcome? What would you say what? Uh, yeah, I think we've actually covered that one because definitely it's, it's tied into that move, you know, the, the, yeah. the personal challenge of, of, of moving to Sweden, adjusting to everything I know and love, having sort of been reversed uh, and doing that all on my own. You know, I've all my family, friends, everyone is literally the other side of the world. So, so that, 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 that has, um, especially in the first few years, that was a very, very trying time. So, yeah, I imagine. Yeah. 
Um, so again, so a following probably it's going to follow right up into that. Uh, it's probably going to right along the same lines as um, what would you say was the transformational moment in your life? Was it a meaningful gift, a reason to belong to something, being a parent, good job, bad job, a relationship? What was the thing that changed you, that transformed you? My first and nearly uh, probably only job, actually. Uh, well, no, not my only job, but as an adult after my university degree, uh, I was incredibly fortunate to get a job in a marketing agency. Um, and I guess rewinding this story, Tim, you, you need to know the background, which is that my uh, my parents have always worked for themselves. So I guess I'm a, I'm a chip off the old block there. Um, so I grew up as a little baby with my parents working from home the whole time because they always had their own business and, and did, you know, were doing very well. And uh, so I always looked up to that lifestyle. You know, I could see that they got to spend kids uh, time with their kids far greater than anyone could imagine. You know, they, they, they got to do life on their terms. And I admired that straight away. I, I, you know, they were my heroes for that. So uh, then wind the clock forward. And I, uh, I was very fortunate to straight out of university get a, uh, get a job at a marketing agency where the boss was unlike your typical, you know, you are the employee, so stay over there kind of boss. Um, he was very much like my entrepreneurial father had been my, and still is my whole life. Um, he, he, we connected very well and he took me under his wing and I got to see every aspect of his business. Um, you know, most things that would be purposely hidden from employees, uh, just to keep you in the dark. Uh, Scott had no problem with completely exposing everything, answering questions. You know, he really took me under his wing. So, so I was very lucky uh, to to find my my first uh, significant employment was working under a guy like Scott. Very good. Um, so yeah, so that what? was uh, you know as far as a young kid who'd always aspired to be an entrepreneur. You just don't get a better start than working for slash with a guy like Scott. He was uh, still is a, a, a still is one of my dearest friends, actually. And you're still in touch with him, even though he's in Australia. Absolutely. Yeah. First, first person I call every time I go back to Australia. It's other than family, of course. It's basically Scott. So yeah. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I have um, I have some long-term friends, and uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, when you have your, your friends, uh, you can speak to each other in a way other people can't, you can't ever, you know, you speak shorthand and you, you tell each other the absolute truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the best thing to have someone who gives you, it's like tonic, you know, you need it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think you agree. The other great thing is, uh, you could go 10 years without <laughs> seeing them. And then when you catch up again, after a decade, it's just straight back like it was yesterday. It's just it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Nothing beats it. So, so yeah, I have I have friends back in Australia. I haven't seen for many years. Actually, I haven't been back a while for a while this time. Um, but I know, you know, we're just slot straight in. So it's it's great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so um, this question is uh, I've had very very different answers from this question. And some of them have been quite literal, and some of them have been uh, you know in the abstract. Uh, what drives you? What gets you up in the morning? 
What gets me up in the morning? Um, for, for me, uh, it's it's got to be my thing. That's all. Um, uh, I uh, there's no point getting up to help someone else create their dream. Um, so really, you know, it might sound selfish, but it, you know, it's it's my life, and I think what gets me up each and every day is a passion I have. Whether others can see it or not doesn't matter to me. Um, but as long as I'm able to create something new that I can give to the world, um, that's, you know, that's really my thing. So it's always been my, my passion. It, it's got to have my name on it. <laughs> so, so I just want to follow up just before. As off question. So how did, um, how did Tushley come around, come about? Tushley. Uh, <laughs> Tushley is actually... A uh, an idea that I had over sixteen years ago, believe it or not. Okay. Um, I, you know, I we when I grew up in the seventies and eighties, it was very much, um, you know, we still had apartheid. Uh, we were still, believe it or not, we were still guillotining people's heads off in France when I was a young kid. I mean, you know, it's amazing that the things that. That uh, that I grew up with as a kid, quite a quite a interesting turning point in 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 human history, I think, and um, yeah. and one of those things was there was there was a lot of homophobia, um, so you would get to hear as a young kid a lot of terms, derogatory terms, uh, for you know gays and lesbians predominantly, because I think back then actually. Um, other sexual orientations were not so spoken of or, or, or mainstream, if you want to call it that. Whereas gay and lesbian was obviously, you know, well-known and understood, you know, sexual orientations. Yet they were, I, back then, they were far too commonly spat at, especially with derogatory terms. And yeah. uh, so you grew up with these terms, which sad to say, were so such commonplace that they didn't really get, uh, you know, didn't really affect you until I got to be older and started to look back at that and think to myself, that's really effed up. Like those, you know, these terms, what this is what we as people do when we see other people we can't understand immediately. We just find really nasty terms to throw at them, to shame and ridicule them. And, uh, and then, that, you know, that didn't, never sat well with me. I, I hate majorities picking on the minorities. I, I just think it's such a bully thing. And I, I, if there's one thing that grinds my teeth, it's bullying. So, you know, so it kind of sat with me and, and it just kept lingering. And, and then I realized... These terms now, you know, 20, 30 years later, they could actually, uh, they actually are kind of funny in their own right if only what would shine the light on them in a less negative way. Okay. And then I realized, then I realized, hold on, there's something there. You know, let's tell anyone who's ever used those terms uh, let's tell them that, you know, you should really have a good hard look at yourself because, you know, that kind of thing should stop. And the best way to fight fire, in my, in my belief, 
has always been with fire. Um, you know, you you disarm them if you if you kind of use their weapons against them. That's true. Africans Americans have done it, right? I mean, no one can use the N word except basically them now, and they use it as a form of unity or solidarity together. Um, you, you know, you've got the the Jews did it with the pink triangle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story. But oh, yes, back I in the Holocaust days, the pink triangle was a symbol to, to flag and shame homosexual uh, Jews. Nowadays, the pink triangle is, again, a re, uh, reclaimed form of empowerment for gays and lesbians, etc. So, so those, those, that kind of inspired me. And I realized that uh, 16 years ago, it, it actually felt too early, too big of a jump. Um, though I didn't just didn't feel in my gut that the world would accept it the way it should be accepted. Uh, but then, around Christmas time, I realised no, this this is this the world is perfectly poised for this. So I uh, basically launched. I worked with my designers and and we we picked my favourite ten characters. Um, you know, we've got Butt Pirate and yeah, and so and so forth. And I just thought those are those could be turned from you know weapons of hate into, or sorry, tools of hate into into weapons of love and compassion and laughter. So that's that's what we did. We put them on a range of T-shirts, and our our key character is this little Tushley Butt, yeah. who also happens to be an upside down heart shape. You know. Uh, and yeah, and, you know, we've done little subtle things like uh, injected the pride flag into every single scene, etc. Not many people have picked up on that, but some have. Uh, so there's a little inside tip for you. There you go. So yeah, so that's that's kind of that's kind of it's been a 16 year story in the making that one. <laughs> well, very good. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, so because you do, you're doing this, um, what's the first thing you want to come to people's minds when they think of you? What a what a funny sob! That's that's the, for me. Laughter is life. Laughter is laughter. You know, it's just I love making people laugh. I love people making me laugh. Um, I, I life is very serious without my help. So I figured if I'm going to stay young, I'm going to do it by laughing my way through it. And you know, that's very good. And, and most people who know me know, you know, they know I can be serious. I just rather not. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, um, what is your Zen? My Zen would definitely be spending time with my partner and probably doing hot yoga. So those are my, you know, those are my really centered moments. Okay. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm an Irish sweater, so I'm always hot anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, so there's here's the question that I've gotten very very different answers from. Some people say they haven't even gotten there yet, and other people have given me very detailed responses to this question. And the question is, um, this is the last of my ten questions. Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, the threshold. Everyone has crossed the threshold, and um, it's um, you, you know it's the point where you know there's no going back. And uh, you, how did you know when you have arrived there? How did it feel to cross it? What was the significance to you? What did you leave behind? What are you glad you left behind? And what do you regret leaving behind? 
Yeah, um, good question. Well, for uh, fear of sounding like a broken record, I think, like I said, that that threshold for me was getting on the plane and leaving yeah. Australia, knowing I would probably never call Australia home again. I mean, really? of course, yeah. in my heart, it's home, but uh, you know, logistically, it's the other side of the world. That was a that was huge. You know, I I knew before I got on the plane that this was going to be a no going back. Hell of a journey, yeah. <laughs> roller coaster ride, and, and it, it was, it has been. Uh, so yeah, so that that was the big one. And what did I leave behind? Well, I held him. I left behind everything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but I, you know, but I discovered, you know, my bound. I left my, I left behind my boundaries as well. So that's, is that what you're glad you left behind? You left. Yeah, you left absolutely. The- you know, I mean, literally breaking out of your comfort zone to that extent, it's incredibly liberating. It's scary as shit, pardon my French, but it's incredibly liberating. So, uh, so anything you regret leaving behind? I mean, you always regret your family and friends. Yeah. You know, I've got relationships back there you could, you could recreate in a million lifetimes. So, you know, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's you know the, the weather as well. Uh, yeah. I, I forget. I regret leaving the sun behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to get to your ten questions. Okay. Um, which which question first? Would you like to answer first? Uh, let me just check which one I have here. Uh, strongest bond forge number nineteen. Okay. What's that one? Yeah, my my strongest bonds, uh, actually. Uh, there's two of them, and I call them my doppelgangers because the three of us are like three peas in a pod. We're just incredibly, you know, we finish each other's sentences. We read each other's minds. We almost live each other's lives. Um, it's funny, when you go all the way alone to the other side of the world, uh, you forge relationships with, you know, anyone who's similar to you. Uh, uh, and I was lucky enough to find my, uh, my partner here and my, as well as my best friend. And they happen to be best friends now. So, oh, very good. you know, the three of us are like this, uh, these three musketeers. And yeah, so it's an incredible, uh, incredible bond. We've, we've been through some of life's toughest challenges, divorces and whatnots and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. The three of us have really found each other through adversity. Um, and really? that, that, that can be very, very bonding, as you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, you're the first person to answer that question. Uh, oh, that's, okay. that's very interesting. Uh, out of all people go. I've had on the I show. Should, I should mention their names, Aaron and sure. Jessica. They're, they're like two of the dearest people I'll ever have in my life. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. cheers to Aaron and Jessica. <laughs> Um, so what was the next question you'd like to answer? Um, what is completely out of the question? Okay. Yeah. Uh, completely out of the question for me is, uh, nine to five employment. Really? Uh, never will do it. Uh, it's been 20 years since I last did it. Uh, hell or high water. I don't think I could do it. I'd rather live on the street than, than be, than be doing the nine to five grind for someone else. It's just not in my DNA, Tim. <laughs> you sound like Diogenes the cynic. He'd rather live in the street with dogs uh, <laughs> because he didn't. He didn't trust 
the nature of man. You know, he, he thought everyone was too heavy uh, held into material things. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, yeah, so that's, 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 a, that's out of the question. I just couldn't do it. I, I, I toyed with the idea at one point when things got a little tough. And before I went too far down that road, I, I literally kicked myself and looked in the mirror. I said, what the hell are you thinking? Like, this is not you. So I just stopped. You know, I, I was at final interview stage for a job, quite a, quite a good job. I managed to get, in, you know, right down to me and one other guy, basically, for a position that, that most people would, would be, you know, high, consider highly sought after. And I just realized I'm getting really close and why am I not feeling excited like everyone around me? And then I realized because this is what you hate, not what you love. Leave now before you get sucked in. And, and, and I did. I just literally turned around and said, yes, yeah, sorry, I'm going to have to pull out. I lied. I said, I've got another offer just so I wouldn't look like the weirdest person on planet Earth. So you went this far <laughs> just to basically say you don't want the job. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've got another offer, but thank you very much. And then I went back to, you know, no job, but, yeah, but no job. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's pretty gutsy. Mm. Um, uh, so the next or question. stupid. Or stupid, uh, one or the other, or maybe a subtle combination of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, you know, I, th I think people uh, scratch their heads when you start doing something new because they're so used to seeing you. Because, you know, the last thing anybody wants you to do is change because it, it forces them to, to, to readjust. And they, everybody wants you to be exactly what they're used to, the, in, who you are in their mind. So when you, nobody, very few people will meet you with enthusiasm when you, when you want to make a change, you want to do anything. So I, I can see that you have to really, really be resolute. And I think that's, that's quite a very, uh, quite admirable. Actually. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. By, by the sounds of your colorful lifestyle, it sounds like you've been down this path many times. As well, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had a checkered pass, put it that way. <laughs> high five. <laughs> Virtual <laughs> high five. <laughs> Okay, so uh, now something's out of the question. And what what's your next uh, question uh, that you'd like to answer? 24. Uh, what have you always been sure of? That turned out to be precisely correct. What is that? What have I always been sure of that turned out eventually to be precisely correct is, is that there's that one true love for all of us out there. Um, I should mention that I am like, I am a second generation, sickeningly pathetic, uh, romantic. Uh, my, my old man and my, you know, my, my father and my mother have been married for oh, 55 years or more. And then don't forget, Tim, we're talking 55 years of working together, sleeping together, waking up together, eating, you know, 24-7. So that's like 350 five-year life sentences together, you know. So they spent <laughs> every living, breathing minute together and have my entire life, um, which is incredibly endearing, you know. So growing up under that shadow, that's that's a hell of a, a thing. So you get to be a bit of a soppy romantic, which I pride myself on. Um, and I've always believed that there's this, you know, this one one true love out there. And, and I had to go through a, you know, I had to swim through a river of shit to get through her, uh, uh, and 
when you find that person, I can tell you, it hits you like a frying pan in the face. It's just like, there you are. You know, I knew you, I knew you before I met you. You know, yeah. one of those feelings. And I, I mean, I had that like I've never had before. So yeah, that's that's my thing. <laughs> Absolutely, we celebrated our 28th anniversary in January. Oh, uh, congratulations! Well, thank you. Uh, my parents were together for a very long. My dad passed away uh, September 30th, and my mom's 10th anniversary of her passing was just a, a few weeks ago. And they were married for I think 56 years. Yeah, so yeah. I, I understood. Yes, very much. You, you know. Yeah, I, I remember reading an article or hearing an interview for a couple that had been married for you know 60 plus years, and the interviewer said. Uh, you know, I turned to the, the grandma lady and, and said, you know, hey, you guys have managed to live and breathe everything together, you know, married happily and still kicking with 60 years under your belt. What would you say is your secret to success for these younger generations? And she said, when we grew up, we grew up in a time where if something broke, you fixed it. You didn't throw it away. Yeah. And I thought, how very true. Nowadays, ah, if it ain't working, just drop it and walk. Find it, you know, next. Yeah, I find it. I always say compromise uh, is because so many people have uh, this unrealistic impression of who the other person is, and they invest attributes in, in them. And when that doesn't come true, they they it just just destroys their image, and they it shatters everything. And yeah. it, just just work with each other. No one's perfect and, and you'll love each other and it'd be a whole lot easier to just you know, agree on things. Not or you know, figure out you know what you have to do to move forward. But uh just 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 not having um a realistic expectation is as I think the first thing that makes it uh, uh that makes it difficult for you to make them keep them maintain the, the relationship. If you just speak with who each other are and you like each other in the first place, I think that that goes so much farther. What's the next question you uh, you like to answer? Uh, I don't know if this is going to be repetitive, but the, is there anything you can't live without? Okay. <laughs> is there anything you can't live without? Yeah, I learned uh, in hindsight that that I, I should have never given the sun away. <laughs> sun. Really? It sounds like a basic uh, human right, but actually... Uh, the poor Swedes up here are pretty much deprived of it for six months of the year, and it's a killer, Tim. Really? Uh, uh, you know, people tell you, oh, it's cold in Sweden. Um, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's cold, but trust me, that you can live with. It's dark as shit in Sweden. Really? And, and that messes with your head. Yeah. Uh, how much farther up, uh, higher up uh, as Sweden? I mean, that's that's got to be like middle of Canada, I guess, uh, compared yeah. to... Yeah, yeah so. pretty, you're pretty much on there. I mean, Sweden's about, oh, what, I think it's about 3,000... It's 4,500 kilometers from top to bottom, or I think that's about 3,000-something miles Yeah, top to bottom. Um, yeah, because I think New York is on a... Same uh, latitude as Madrid, I think. So, I mean, that's how much farther south we are than you. Right, yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, this is the land of eternal sunshine in summer. I mean, we have 24-hour day here. Really? Uh, 
Yeah, so the sun literally doesn't go down. It's it's like two in the morning. It's it's you know, it's bright daylight pretty much. So uh, it's crazy. But then you get the reverse during winter. You know, yeah, the sun yeah. doesn't come up till about nine a.m. and then goes down at two uh, two p.m. So you have really? like, like the shortest days you can imagine. It's it's eternal darkness, and that that's the killer, Tim. I can imagine. That's got to be really, that's going to recap. But doesn't that have something to do with your circadian rhythms? Yeah, look, I, I, I won't, I'm no doctor or, or, or Freud or anything, but I can tell you, uh, a healthy man requires sun. Okay. Take away the sun, something starts going very wrong. <laughs> okay. I take your word for it. I actually, I'll believe it. <laughs> so stay where it's sunny. If you know what's good for you, Tim. Okay. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> One I wish I'd taken myself. <laughs> it must be something interesting to do in the dark, though. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta... you know, I, I, just, I don't think it's any coincidence that the closer you are to the tropics, the equator, you know, you know, you look at these, you know, South American, Brazilians, you know, where it's generally, you know, Hawaiians, blah, blah, blah. They're they're musical. They're they've got hot blood in their veins. They you know they've got this joie de vivre. You know that, and then you get up to the two extra up and down to the the you know the polar extremities and yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I had a friend of mine who uh, spent seven years uh, in Saint Martin, being a um, he taught people how to uh, sailboard. And the only reason he came back to uh, New York was because his wife got, he met somebody and she became pregnant. And um, here we go. That's more of the, the sound of New York. You can hear <laughs> sirens. It's, I live on 23rd Street, which is across, it's, it's, it's one of the two way traffic across Manhattan. So this, this happens all day long. Um, yeah. So he said, you know, the only thing that brought him back was the fact that his, you know, his wife had to go home to family and, you know, do all, everything with raising the kid and presenting the, the fact that they were together and, and mm. you know, having a baby. Otherwise he never would have, he never would have stopped doing what he was doing. You know, he, yeah, he just, yeah. so he had no stress. He loved it. You know, he just, it was just a life that, you know, yeah, never I mean, wore I shoes. For granted, you know, I, yeah. I had it pretty much all year round in Australia. So I didn't think much of it until I, until it was taken from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, Okay, what's the uh, what's the next question you, you'd like to answer? How many uh, we got? Uh, am I particularly fussy about something? Okay. Yeah. Oh, are you particularly fussy about something? Say I am. Something. I am. It's what I eat. Uh, really? That's not to say that's not to say that you know I I look I treat my body as a temple, Tim. Let's not get confused here, right? I'm not a health freak or anything like that. But I mean, I it has to be tasty it's got to be you know it's got to be good 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 food like i'm a i'm a big critic of food uh, i live for a good good meal with a nice wine or a cold beer depending on the climate you know so what i eat and drink kind of is my it's my vice okay so yeah um, seafood's right up there you know yeah. i was very lucky my mother was actually like uh, almost a a French chef, so uh, you know we ate amazingly well all of my childhood. So yeah, my my stomach is 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 a a big decision maker in my in my body. 
Interesting. Uh, I am a trained French chef, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, French Culinary Institute. I uh, studied under a bunch of people who are, uh, I had a lot of Alsatian people. So Andre Soltner, I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of him. Uh, he had, the, 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 I think, the Legion of Honor, I think. But he he owned, uh, have you ever seen the, the TV show Mad Men? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, that go-to restaurant was called Lutess, and he owned that place. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So and I trained with him. And uh, a few other people I uh, I worked uh, with and for previously. And I worked in a number of restaurants in, in, in New York. So uh, I just thought, uh, you're only as good as your legs. And when repetitive stress gets hold of you, uh, it just it becomes impossible. Especially, you, you need the precision and, and the skill and the dexterity to do the job. And uh, the more it wears down, the more difficult it becomes. So I had to yeah. step back. From but yeah, I love yeah. love French food. I, I love I love good food. Um, I was at a party last Thursday night, and it, it was just just all the free sushi you could eat. <laughs> I just helped my. I just gorged myself. So yeah, I'm I'm with you in terms of that. I love good food. Um, you still there? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so uh, so. You're you're fussy about that, and what's the next one? Uh, number fifty. Do I go for A, money, or B, happiness? I think I already know the answer to that one. I was about to say, what do you think, Tim? We've come so far <laughs> together. Do you know me well now, brother? I would say, <laughs> I would say by far and away, you you absolutely someone who pursues happiness. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure you've had the same experience. Is that you know, you can you can have the happiness without the money, but God help you if you've got it the other way around. Yeah, um, uh, which is all too often the case. Let's be honest. A lot of people who have got the money, they're they're not exactly happy. So, my yeah, dad. So I've been happy with money. I've been happy without money. Uh, but I've never let money. Wait. Right, so there's a, there's a um, home for the blind just down the block from me, and quite often people pull the uh, uh, fire alarm because they're feeling their way through, <laughs> and they don't realize that they're just because they're new to it. So they cut like three yeah. times a week. There's a fire fire truck nice. uh, come to. to. Um, my, my dad pointed out something to me. Uh, he reminded me of something I said to him. Uh, my, my parents are very fond of Bermuda. My mother was from Ireland and my parents met and married in England and Bermuda being an English colony, uh, they used to love to go on, on, on cruises there. So we'd go there. And, uh, one time I pointed out to my dad, we were waiting to disembark. And, uh, first, the first thing you notice is all the Americans, all the Americans are fat <laughs> compared to everyone else, you know, and they're miserable. Yeah. And all the people in Bermuda who are, uh, you know, there's only 61 or 62,000 people who are natives of Bermuda. Right. And uh, when you get off the boat, everyone is there and, you know, they're either working in a shop or they're waiting to pick up a, a fare to drive somebody to, to mm. whatever. They go. And all they do is they see each other, they shake their hands, they've got a big smile on their face. And I said, Dad, look at all these people over there. And then look at all the people uh, trying to go off the boat, and they're miserable, and they're pushing, and they're shoving, and they've got a scowl on their face. And and he, and he said, "Look, who's who's happy?" You know. Mm, mm. <laughs> and, he, and he and he reminded me that, and, and he told me that. I said, I, I he pointed out that I pointed out to him, and it's, yeah. it's you know, it's a really important thing to remember because it just wise beyond think, your years, Tim. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Give okay, me the so, happiness anytime. Yeah. So how many more questions do we have? Do we have you have the three? Um, I think it's on we're down to the last one or two actually. Okay. So which would you uh, uh again I'm I'm some I'm getting I get this icky feeling I'm sort of repeating myself a bit with some of oh, these because they kind of You're consistent. That's all. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, just sound I just don't want to sound boring, but anyway. Uh, do I have a mentor or a role model? Yes, do you have a mentor or role model? Yeah, I mean again, it's you know, it's it's my parents. I mean it's cliche as hell, I get it, but but the fact is uh, you know, I'm kind of actually here's a little side story for you. I'm born on exactly the same day as my father. My mother <laughs> My mother just slaps her forehead and rolls her eyes like on a weekly basis. It's like, you know, and I don't, she doesn't, I'm like, mom, don't say it. I know I'm just like my old man. I get it. I get it. I've heard it my whole life. So, you know, that's just, I guess it's no coincidence that he is kind of, you know, my hero, so to speak, and, and inspires me and aspires me and all the rest. So, yeah, yeah. But well, that's also pretty awesome. my mother, my mother uh, in her own, uh, her own, very sweet other kind of way you know it's like the the butterfly and the elephant together i mean he's just a big bear of a man you know and she's this cutest little petite and sweet and you know it's it's a it's a beautiful little combination yeah that's fantastic yeah. so i think i like to think i'm the best of both tim well, <laughs> that's terrific terrific uh, so do we have one more question or is that, is that the end i I think that might be it. I had this one, which is your favorite weather, but do we sure. really need to go there, Tim? <laughs> you know what? Let's just throw that in anyway. So many people like to tell me about that, especially people here who have interviewed. Most of the people here have told me that their favorite weather, because New York is so humid, uh-huh. they always say their favorite weather is the autumn, the fall. Because uh-huh. it's crisp, it's cool. They, they, because we sweat so much here, it's not just warm. It's warm and sticky. So they yeah. they love the the cool, crisp weather. But I have a funny feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're nearly making me cry there, Tim. It brings back fond memories of of Australia. Uh, yeah, no, my give me sunny, hot, full stop. And a story. I mean, that's a, one of the beautiful things about my decision to you know come back to Europe, which is. You know, we're talking literally like a hundred, you know, different worlds over here. So in the nearly in the dead of winter, you can you can take a four hour flight and be in, you know, almost tropical weather. So that's that's its one saving grace is there is escape. There is sun to be found and it's not too far away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very good so i'm gonna say i'm gonna end it as we always end because that's the end of our 20 questions uh cedric I, I thank you as i thank everyone else and as we end the show as i always do uh as the kitty say peace out thank you tim that was a blast brother mm-hmm.